This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Address the president blaming the classified documents on poorly packed up offices. Boy, you think? In the meantime, the Chinese spy balloon really now is uh, front and center on a lot of people's minds about what a fiasco it is for the U.S. And then Tyree Nichols. Sad to say, who was beaten by a handful of Memphis police who have been fired and many of them now charged. Um, there is a photograph of him bloodied and beaten that was sent out to a handful of uh, people, including a woman that this officer had just met of the conquest where he's standing over his body and he's handcuffed and he decided he'd take a few pictures and send them out. Oof, that was a mistake. Hey everybody, Kate Delaney and in between there are things to smile about in this country. Believe it or not, so welcome to this version of America tonight, including the fact that uh, if you're a fan of the Super Bowl, whoo, Super Bowl is coming up. We're going to hit the man cave this hour. And, uh, in fact, talk about some of the exotic wagering that happens with the Super Bowl. And, more important, who's going to win? I don't know if it is uh, a kind of a foreshadowing thing or not, but I was walking today, and I had the pleasure of walking on a beach. I was walking on a beach today, and I saw five different people with Philadelphia Eagles T-shirts on. <laughs> I have a lot of friends in Kansas City, a lot of very good friends and people that have been very good to me in my life who are cheering their heart out for Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know. You may be one of them. All right, let's just dive right into it and talk about uh, some of what is being talked about. Maybe in your neck of the woods. I always say that that's what it's about. What are the whispers? And people are talking about the Chinese uh by balloon and part of the reason why is because the revelations that there are other there were other balloons that were sent over the US and in fact this is something that China has done in and apparently other countries so it's become now much bigger than even oh yeah this giant balloon where oh we have our navy out there that gathered all the remnants that were left from the balloon that we shot down over the weekend off the shores of Myrtle Beach, and we're looking at how much there was, and then realizing that this these Chinese balloons have covered the U.S. before in at least four different times, and not just there, but other countries. And there is now a Chinese balloon, of course, hovering over Taiwan, our Secretary of State, Annie Blinken, was supposed to go to China and, among other things, talk about their situation with Hong Kong and Taiwan and uh, other areas where there is tension between the U.S. and China. And so um, China 
refused conversation with the U.S. the U.S. Defense Secretary following this suspected uh, spy balloon. So that was the other thing that came out of that. So our Secretary of State Blinken postpones his trip to Beijing as a result of this because of what happened last weekend, and the 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 U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin following the downing of that suspected Chinese balloon, China said, no, we're not going to talk to you. (laughs) We're not doing it. Because the Defense Department submitted a request for a call between Austin and China's Minister of National Defense immediately after the fighter jets shot down the balloon on Saturday afternoon, trying to keep the lines of communication open and be responsible but uh, that didn't happen. China is saying, look, we this was a weather balloon that was thrown off course. That's it. They did say they they did say this because you never hear this, but they did say they regret that that happened, but that it was a weather balloon. A weather balloon that was had some serious hardware on it. <laughs> We're measuring the weather with some of the biggest hardware we've ever put on any balloons. So now you look that um, you look at the high stakes meeting with President Xi and Biden in November and how the the emphasis is was on. Let's keep the lines of communication open. Well, the lines of communication are definitely not open. I mean, in our airspace, the presence of this balloon, it is a clear violation of our sovereignty and international law. It's obviously unacceptable that this has happened. So where do you go from there? I mean, what do you do? And it was part of the State of the Union. Of course, there was a mention of it that we will not tolerate that. But but these are words. And what what ultimately does that lead to? And will we, in fact, somehow maintain diplomatic relations with, you know, with China? All you have to do is look, whatever your search engine is, just take a look at the Navy photos, because the, the Navy released them, the photos of the Chinese spy balloon recovery and what what how much it was right and uh, how much they gathered and get a sense of that and tell me if you really honestly just with a just with a untrained eye for this stuff do you really buy that this is a, a, a weather balloon i'm going to say i'm going to say no right i'm going to say there's no way you're buying that very sad as we watch, but so many Americans taking part in any way they can, whether it's just through a couple of dollars or its efforts to still help in the what may be recovery of, of bodies at this point, because over 15,000 dead in Turkey and Syria, that area where they were slammed with the earthquake and those aftershocks rescuers racing to to do what they could and you know still 70 plus hours later found a baby that was born underneath all the debris the mother died but uh, the baby was alive and they were able to they were able to recover the baby and the baby is stable and there were some children that were found sadly there were more people that were found dead than than alive but 7.8 magnitude quake in that area that was so dense with the kind of buildings that they had 
it's not a surprise that that would mostly be what would happen there. I mean, survivors are scrambling for food and shelter, and it's freezing the temperatures, and they were watching in so many of the areas to see if, please, please, under the debris, uh, somebody from my family is going to be pulled uh, alive and not uh, and not dead. And, I mean, there were some really hard-hit areas but the fact that there were survivors that were being pulled they have the dogs out there they were quiet and listening in spots they were able to to uh, rescue some people that is the hope that you're going to find more people alive you're going to get lucky and there was some there definitely was some of that so that's the good news the silver lining and of course that so many people are reaching out to try to help in any way they can coming up it is the super bowl there is so much focus there and of course on lebron james and his great feet we'll talk about that as well when we go to the man cave Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com gcnfood.com My name is Milan Vukovic. Ten years ago, I got frustrated with the quality of Pau Arco tea sold in the stores. So, I founded the Pau Arco Tea Club that now ships our super tea to over 100 countries. You too can order or get info about the original pure Pau Arco super tea at www.drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. Why settle for less when you can order original Pure Pau Arco and drink Super Tea for only $34.95 per pound plus shipping? Each pound makes 300 cups, which is the equivalent of 12 cents per cup for the original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea. Order now at www.drinksupertea.com. That's drinksupertea.com. 
or by calling 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. conversation is about the Super Bowl, the commercials, the game itself. Will it be exciting? Will it in fact be as close as the line is, which is Philadelphia is favored by a point in and a half? Or will we be snacking and paying more attention to what the snacks are than anything else because we're bored by the game? I will be paying attention to the game. I don't know about the rest of you, but uh, it is a big deal because, you know, 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. People connected to the game know this is a very, very big moment. It's a big moment for athletes who have, you know, put it all out there to get to this spot. And now, after a very, very long season, here you go. It's uh, it's all about the pageantry. I call it the pageantry of what surrounds the game too. So some of the interesting bets. I'm just going to say this because I think it's it's I think it's fun for some people. They'll they'll bet on this kind of stuff. Uh, field goals, like who scores the who scores the first field goal, and how how you know so how many Super Bowls have field goals opened up the scoring. And the Chiefs' two Super Bowl appearances in the past three seasons have opened with field goals. So then you think about that. So that's a bet that's out there that some people just have a little fun with and put a couple of dollars down on that. And then how many touchdowns You know, in the first half? So what, what's the number? Uh, one, one and a half touchdowns. Will the Eagles score one-and-a-half touchdowns or not? Philly has seven first-half touchdowns through two games in the playoffs. Will they find the end zone at least twice in the first half or not? And then you look at um, some of the goofy things to win the third quarter. Will the Chiefs win the third quarter outright? That's something you could bet on. Will that happen or, or not? Uh, because it's the quarter, if you statistically look at it, where Pat Mahomes, the quarterback for Kansas City, is the most proficient. Is the most proficient. And I like this one. I mean, and there's pages and pages of this nonsense of prop bets that you can pick really obscure ones. So MGM, bet MGM, has a prop on the length of the game's first touchdown with a line of 6.5 yards. So if you look at pro football reference, you can, and I saw this on either Yahoo or USA Today, somewhere I found it in my um, research, will find that 64 of the 120 touchdowns scored by the Chiefs and the Eagles were six yards or less. So six yards or less. So would you take that for the under? Um, 
I would bet the under. So that's what I would say. I would take like the Eagles and the under if I was going to take that bet based on what I just told you there. Anyway, it's interesting. Some of the long odds, the interesting odds, and the crazy prop bets. Uh, you know, is the coin toss going to be heads or is it going to be tails? And um, whatnot. And it kicks at 6.30. 6.30 is when the Super Bowl goes off Eastern. So then you look at where you are and look at the time for that. And and uh, I think a lot of people are going to be tuning in, especially if it's close. They'll be doing that. All right, got to jump to basketball. I'm going to kind of pop around on what I think. If we were all hanging out in the Woe Man Man Cave, we'd be talking about the Lakers traded Russell Westbrook in a three-team deal with the Jazz and the T-Wolves. So how about that? And they get D'Angelo Russell from Minnesota in that deal that also includes Utah sending Mike Conley to the Timberwolves. So the Lakers get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt from Utah. Minnesota gets a couple of, uh, gets a player, gets um, Walker, Alexander Walker and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker and picks and the Jazz also end up with a first round pick from the Lakers and they get one Toscano Anderson in that deal. Westbrook may seek a buyout from the Jazz so he can join a potential contender. That's a possibility. You know, it's weird. The Westbrook thing never really worked out with the Lakers. They were hoping that it would. I mean, they picked him up in in 2021 in the summer. He just wasn't a good fit with the King, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, you know, they missed the playoffs last season. They lost their coach. Vogel was dismissed after that. And the Lakers are in 13th place right now in the Western Conference. So they had to make some sort of a move, it seems. And that's the move that they... Uh, decided they were going to make and and the timing is interesting too because you look at well you look at where they are so they had to had to make some kind of a move if they were going to make a move and you just have the history made he's with uh lebron james who's now the all-time scorer all-time scorer in uh nba history i saw a great little clip of him being interviewed by Michael Strahan and Strahan asked him just an obvious question about did you know did you think was this on your on your list was this on a list of something that you wanted to break and become the leading all-time scorer and he said you know never he was it wasn't what I was thinking about it was never something that I thought about and it blows my mind of course it does because it's an incredible amount of points number one and the fact is that He's still playing, so who knows what he what the bar is ultimately set at. And then you start to think, because this is what we do, right? Who is the greatest of all time, and where would you rank LeBron James when he's the all-time you know, score, scoring record? He, he breaks Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 38,387 points, and he did it the other day against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder at home. So... You know, there is some perspective as different eras, that kind of thing. But you just got to you just got to think that and and Abdul Jabbar, they are not really and James are not really close. But, um, you know, 
even Jabbar's been asked about his relationship with James, and and he said uh, no relationship. They, I mean, they have no relationship, but they obviously have a mutual respect and appreciation. And you know, Abdul Jabbar was courtside. He gave James the game ball after he broke the record, and they embraced for whatever differences they've had. And Abdul Jabbar was pretty gracious after the game. And, um, you know, one of the things that LeBron James has done, and it's and it is something he really gets in, involved with, is helping kids in schools and where he grew up and in other areas. And he's, he's done a lot, and he should, because of who he is and, and obviously the resources he has. But he's done a lot to help a lot of people. Not always seeking this necessarily the spotlight for doing that. It becomes known, but he, that's not what he's necessarily trying to do. So good on him. I saw an interesting story. When you think about college football and how big college football is and recruiting, and it's about recruiting, getting the best players. I saw something about Georgia. They, of course, were national champs again. Georgia's yearly college football recruiting spending $4.5 million. It's one-third more than any other school, the Bulldogs. Because that, that comes out you know, in the financial report from the athletic department. And um, no other program at, at any power five public school has come that close to that number so far. So, for example, you look at Texas A&M, they're number two. They've spent... Two point ninety-eight million. Tennessee is three. Two point ninety-two million. Texas. When you think of their program, two point forty-four million. Alabama. <clears throat> Alabama. The Crimson Tide. The Great Crimson Tide. Two point thirty-two million. Wow. Four point five million to get the best of the best and go and see and go and recruit. I mean, because. What counts as recruiting? It's lodging meals for recruits and for the school personnel and unofficial visits and all uh, of that. And it's covered from, you know, and these particular reports from July 2021 to June of 2022. So that's how much, you know, phone charges, postage, uh, planes, all of the things that, that are used in what you would do to recruit. That is that is an incredibly high number, I have to say. All right, two great authors waiting in the wings. You don't want to miss their stories. That's coming up next. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. 
If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. USA News Update. Five Marines are still missing following the discovery of a Marine helicopter that went missing in California. The helicopter was found in Pine Valley Tuesday night, just about 40 miles east of San Diego. It was conducting a training flight from Creech Air Force Base near Las Vegas. Proclaiming himself as pro-life Superman, a man climbed the Las Vegas Sphere on Wednesday to gather funds for a pregnant woman. Mazan Deschamps shared footage on his Instagram profile. Hey guys, I'm here on top of the sphere. I guess they're going to make me go through the top. Deschamps executed a comparable stunt in Phoenix during last year's Super Bowl week. Southern California is bracing for more rainfall and mountain snow this afternoon and into tonight. The area is still grappling with the aftermath of a Pineapple Express system that brought record-breaking precipitation and triggered nearly 500 landslides. John Schaefer, USA News. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores, building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. here on America tonight. His book is called Do Ask, Do Tell, A Gay Conservative Lashes Back. 
individualism, identity, personal rights, responsibility, and uh, calm. So you think about it, his story, and we are happy to have him with us. So, Bill, thanks for coming on. Yes, I'm pleased to be here. Tell me about the road to writing this book. Why did you write it? What was the motivation? Okay, okay. There's a there's a basic dichotomy. I was thrown out of the College of William and Mary in uh, over right after Thanksgiving in 1961. Um, after in, in my freshman year, after having won a chemistry scholarship and everything, when I was called after being called in by the dean of men um, the day after Thanksgiving, we didn't actually have Thanksgiving break. While my parents were actually um, visiting friends in North Carolina, and I was quizzed about some things in the in the dorm, um, some medicines in the dorm, and then gradually the con- the conversation turned toward personal relationships, and I admitted to him that I thought of myself as a latent homosexual. There had been some problems with a roommate and with rumors and so forth, and so he asked for my parents where my parents were. And I actually gave them gave them the name of the family they were staying with in, in Charlotte, so that he could track it down with information, which he did. And you can imagine, with my parents spending Thanksgiving weekend after having visited me over the long weekend, getting a call like that, you can imagine how traumatic that might must have been. Wondering all weekend what this was like. But they came back Tuesday and met with the dean, and I had to be taken out of school simply for having said that. Now, the, the reasons for that, of course, at the time were, you know, in a dormitory that was considered, you know, that was considered forced intimacy. So I was like, you know, I was either a threat for being, you know, possibly sexually interested in other men in the dorm because I had admitted to being latent homosexual or in thinking to, in today's world with the gender ideology wars and so forth, I'm sort of half saying I'm not a male. You know, you could you could interpret it that way. But anyway, you fast forward 30 years into the 1990s after, you know, I came, uh, I went, well, I came back and went to college at home. My parents sort of got over it, but it was kind of traumatic, and there were other things, like I was hospitalized for six months at NIH in Bethesda, Maryland. That was interesting. But I went to, to to college at George Washington University in in Washington. I grew up in Arlington, Virginia, which is right across the river, so I could commute by bus and didn't have to live in the dorm. And then I went to graduate school in nineteen in the, in the spring of nineteen sixty six at the University of Kansas and got my master's in math. And I lived in the dorm there in Lawrence and. I, on the campus of KU, and no issues this time. Things had changed a lot, even in the 60s. This was even before Stonewall. And because of my reputation for having psychiatric treatment and so forth, I had actually volunteered to take the physical, the draft physical, two more times, going from from 4F to 1Y to 1A, and I was actually drafted um, into the Army. I Technically, I volunteered to... Two, month, two weeks early, but to go, go in two weeks early to have a better chance to an, an MLS. And um, served two years, starting in 1968. Had a very difficult time in in basic training because I was behind physically other boys. I was, I did have some physical issues. So I wound up in special training, and that was an experience. 
But I was also interviewed for a direct commission, which I didn't get, but that was also interesting. It was a very strange time. I spent the summer in the Pentagon learning about force development and why we needed conventional forces to deter nuclear war with the Soviets and that kind of thing. And then because of my background, having had psychiatric treatment, in quotes, I wound up um, being shipped out of the Pentagon because I couldn't get a top-secret clearance and spending the rest of my time in Fort Eustis, which is 10 miles from Williamsburg. It's kind of ironic. But then then 30 years later, you fast forward 30 years later in the book, and even within less than a decade after AIDS was such a controversy, you know, I came out basically a second time, and that's a whole other narrative. And moved away from home again and lived in New York and then moved to Dallas. That That's another narrative that is not covered in as much detail in the book. So we jump ahead to, to the 1990s when Bill Clinton, you know, beat, won the election and wanted to lift the ban on gays in the military. And the reason that people were objecting was that um, people in, you know, in the military don't go home at night like you and I do. They don't have the privacy that we, you and I do. So having people in the in the barracks that might be sexually interested in them, particularly men, was an affront to their privacy. That was one of the main arguments that Sam Nunn and Senator Sam Nunn and that Charles Moscos and others made all the time, and it was being made in front of Congress. So you wound up with a policy called don't ask, don't tell. Actually, Bill Clinton wanted to call it don't ask, don't tell, don't pursue. And that went on for 17 years before the policy was repealed at the end of 2010. But that's when I got involved. At the time, in the 1990s, after various job changes in information technology, I was a mainframe computer programmer all these years. I wound up working for a company, Uslico, that sold life insurance to military officers. And I had decided to write this book because of the dichotomy um, between you know privacy in the dorm in 1961 and privacy in the barracks in 1993 or 1997 or something, and so because I was it was going to be something that was going to be very public. Well, it so turns out that the company Uslico got bought by a company called Northwestern National Life, which would become Reliostar. And so I arranged to transfer to Minneapolis and live in Minneapolis to avoid the possibility of a conflict of interest back in the mid-'90s. That's another angle of the story. And then um, my father had passed away in the 80s. My mother was having health problems, had coronary bypass surgery. There was almost a chance that I would have to move back. That, That didn't happen. But there were all kinds of interesting complications that happened in the 1990s that are kind of the story. That follows on. So my the narrative of my story is kind of the '60s, you know, um, the expulsion, but why winding up and serving in the military anyway, and then becoming involved in the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" fight. And the things I talked about were a little bit offensive to the leadership of the gay community, the gay, you know, the gay leadership at the time wanted to focus on being an oppressed group, like you know, like things are today, and I wanted to talk more about, no, there's a real issue. We still have people having to sign up for the sign up for selective service. Um, you know, trans people have to sign up according to their sex assigned at birth, and that's something a lot of people don't know. Um, 
So you have to think about that a lot of things in society are things that you don't get to choose, even though we believe in liberalism and we believe in freedom. There are a lot of things we have to deal with that we don't get to choose. And war, the possibility of war, is one of them, you know. And so that was the way I argued everything in, in the books, which was kind of unconventional. So it's very, that, very that, yeah. It's, it's, that, it's that axis between privacy in a college dorm, which is no longer thought of as an issue today, but it was in the early 60s. Oh, yeah. And privacy in the barracks. And that isn't thought of as big an issue as it was. We've gotten used to the idea that that's okay since lifting Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And now Biden has actually lifted most of Trump's bans on transgender people. But that was the transgender issue was totally separate from Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That wasn't part of it. Right. In, in, in 2011. Right, exactly. Um, so so let me stop because people will learn all these stories. It's great. You've given us that everything in a nutshell. We have a couple of minutes left. What do you hope people take away from do ask, do tell? Yeah, what I what I want to focus on is individual responsibility. You know, you know how when there are social problems and social inequities, how should how should you behave personally? How should you behave to respond to challenges that are coming your way, um, even if you have been privileged? What you're seeing now, it demands, particularly from the, the, the left, the spot to see things in terms of oppressed groups and the idea that you have to, for example, join in anti-racism if you're going to be heard in public at all. The idea that you need to meet their demands and be part of any of an explicit anti-racist movement, and so forth, before you do anything else, that you owe a debt for your inheriting privilege from what happened in the past. You know that is not something that we thought is an acceptable is an acceptable way to do things. Um, the left is trying to do. I've always thought about personal responsibility. I actually think that the idea, you know, that some sort of idea of personalized social credit in an individual basis actually makes some sense. You could think of social credit as almost like a cryptocurrency. Um, That could make sense in moral terms more than what's going on today, which is particularly the left trying to produce the idea that everybody is either an oppressor or the oppressed. And one in one tribe or the other, and all the tribalism. To think about it and, and think about individual responsibility and the individual level. What do you need to do as an individual? Mm. That's really mm. the message I want people to, to get away from it. It is sort yeah. of on the conservative side. I'd say libertarian to conservative side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And your book goes deep on so many um, aspects of the things that happened with you, which are very, very intriguing. Bill Bush could do ask, do tell. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever great books are sold. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for listening to me. Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. 
The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea naturally builds good cells and kills bad cells. So it's great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting an infection, diabetes, or cancer. To order, visit drinksupertea.com or call 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com, 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. The name of the book is Killing Time. Michael Joseph Mann is in our virtual green room. And I have to take a second because he's got such an interesting background. Imagine you're an attorney. You're in the legal profession. And you've done this and you've done that and you've built up your name. And now you are the go-to person for 20 different counties. Wow. That would be a very busy job. So I would imagine that writing a novel would be a great release. So Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. What has your, before we get into the book, what has your life been like on the legal side of things? Uh, It's just been uh, exciting and and sort of uh, maybe not that uh, exciting to the normal person but just from us uh, from my standpoint it's pretty good with uh, there's 20 different counties have a in, in, in uh, action in uh, in emergency communications and I sort of got into that many years ago and picked up that 
and they've got a 20 counties that I've served now. And well, it, it keeps me busy. Yeah, I just think of the 20 counties and knowing dealing with one county, how overwhelming that can be, how 20 would uh, would be, certainly. So in between all of that running around, you find time for killing time. What was it that motivated you to write the novel? Well, you know, it's always a dream to have a written word expressed. I thought you wanted to keep inside. But then when you dare to write it down and share it with others, there's a deep satisfaction. As I began to write in my early years, it was a hand of sisters of charity at the old Catholic school that encouraged it. I was named the co-editor of the school's first newspaper. Of course, this gave me the opportunity to write the heroics of school teams and sports, but then it you know, transgressed into high school where I became the sports editor. But then uh, my senior year, my dreams fell about the uh, sports editor at the local paper, then the Chattanooga Times had retired after 33 years of service, and the new editor was in May, and I would be at least 33 years before a new opportunity came about. So since my sports pursuit had ended, and a new wave came about, and that next wave was uh, Vietnam. So I became a dog handler and served 18 months there. I made many friends. I kept a diary of each day's events. Many years later, after I was deep in my lawyer activities, I went back to the diary and wrote a book. It was based on a diary, but also expressed the thoughts so many of us had. It was called American Passage, the class of 68. It was a self-published author, of course. And uh, that's how I began to write The Killings Time. It took many years to complete, you know, having to find time amidst my lawyer activity. And as I've noticed before, you know, I'm still a lawyer working with 20 counties in the emergency communication field. So that's pretty much, you know, the background of how I came about this. And tell us about the book. It's, you know, if you take us to the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, all the crazy chaos and anarchy there, and I know I've toured it. I went through this with this show, and there were dozens of things, dozens of what you call foul play situations that are reported corpses uh, discovered in empty houses and buildings. Tell us more about the story and your main character, Irish Henry. Well, you know, he's the... um kind of a guy that came out of the troubles of Ireland and he was a young man there. He got in trouble there and he was uh, routed out there uh, from it to, to the United States, which uh, over to through Boston, he got into the enter into this in the military service where he could then serve and gain his citizenship. And uh, he ended up in, in Vietnam uh, as a dog handler, of course, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, that was a, a you know, just a, a small part of his story that comes out in the story. Um, he was uh, he then be, he came, you know, went to uh, law school in, in in Louisiana and served in uh, in New Orleans as a, as a public, uh, you know, a district attorney's office and uh, the uh, assistant there. And um, he had a. Uh, a lot of friends there, and and kept him, and he was very successful in his career. But um, he had a came into a, you know a young guy that, as well as again he called the kid um, that uh, was a, also a, a newspaper there. But he had been uh, he had quite a quite an interesting background himself. He had 
had grown up in uh, Dallas and had been a young man going to the with his parents to the, see the new president coming to to, to uh, visit the city, and uh, that was of course JFK. And he was had his little brownie with him, taking pictures, and he snapped one shot where the guy behind him had uh, had then just shot his gun. It was um, and from the, the you know the one of the areas there that uh, was always in concern about being a, a concern of you know where there was a, a shot being. And anyway, he en- ended up having to go in his his. Uh, uh, you know, different kind of uh, background. He had to change his leave his family and all that, and move about and keeping out of ju- the uh, uh, judgment of the uh, somebody in the government that was after him. And so the uh, the two of them anyway end up in in there in in New Orleans in the in the post of the hurricane. And um, and it starts from there, and they uh, end up the two of them become the, the people that learn about their background are under the, the impression, you know, of what they wanted to get to them and get get them removed. So they that's where it starts. For you to write the book and write the dialogue, like here's some of the dialogue. I love the dialogue because you're so descriptive. You say the rain slackened and the wind had stopped. The city smelled odors of sewage mixed with other foul aromas and the humidity was high, even for New Orleans. O'Malley's was in the high side of the French Quarter just above the flooding, but the waters were visible a block away as O'Grady walked quickly towards Jackson Square. I can so visualize that having been there. And even if people listening haven't been there, I think they get the real feel for it. Was it fun or challenging or what was it like putting this all together weaving the story together well it was fun doing it because i had been there in the in that area you know a few times before and it, it just really caught on to me uh, about using this that city as a grid of it and it was uh, it really was sort, sort of uh, interesting to, to use that as the background yeah i bet when you uh, so killing time, we're speaking with Michael Joseph Mann. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and, and Noble. Uh, he joins us here on America tonight. What do you hope people take away from reading your novel? Well, I, I just hope they enjoy it and uh, the uh, the way it ends. It sort of uh, ends up with a I don't know if a good out- outcome, but a, a more of a satisfaction of. Uh, and I hope that people enjoy it that way. Will you do a follow-up to this? Will there be another novel? Well, you know, I actually, I've got one under under the under the going up a little bit, and uh, I've started on it. Yep. So you have a knack for this. You like this in the off time. This is something that you do. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Again, the book is called Killing Time, Michael Joseph Mann. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much.
Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I read that little bit of dialogue, and it really is fascinating. And I have a thing about New Orleans, as many of you know, and I've had the opportunity to be there many times. And I did see the aftermath of Katrina and um, the rebuilding and what it was like. And so his description of the chaos, the water, the things that happened, and the fact that this this Henry O'Grady, Irish Henry, is a former assistant district attorney, and he's right in the middle of all of this. And, and as you heard from Michael, when he talked about if you go back and you look at his history and you look at the fact that um, of his encounters, including with Martin, uh, the kid, uh, who is known as, uh, who's a writer and a witness to the JFK assassination. Can you imagine what that is like because of the fear he had? And then both of them having their own enemies and things that they had to deal with as a result of what they do for a living. And the Big Easy was just a perfect, perfect place for this to pull all this intrigue in. And and by the way, there's some romance in this, and it's pretty interesting, even the, the question of the JFK assassination. So we thank him for that conversation and all of you for listening to this version of the show. Make it count, everybody. This is Kate Delaney. I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to katedelaneyradio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the contact tab and send an email. Behind-the-scenes photos, great video, travels, the dog. Yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney Fan Page on Facebook. Kate Delaney Fan Page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter, at Kate S. Delaney. At Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave, and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already forgotten everything I've just said, just go to katedelaneyradio.com.